0: witches, pumpkins, bats, black cats, skeletons, cemeteries, ghosts, fairies, goblins, the boogeyman, costumes, decorations, haunted houses, extortion, and playing with things that have always scared human beings since prehistoric times. Where does this fascination with all things scary come from? How did this celebration begin? To figure this out, well at least some of it, we got to go back a couple of thousand years. So, grab a tasty beverage, I got mine right here, kick back and let's take a little journey into the true mythological and sometimes downright cray-cray origins of Halloween. Okay, let's start with the timeline. Ancient cultures split the year into two the dark half and the light half. Samhain, in the ancient Celtic traditions, was the beginning of the dark half. On October 31st, bonfires were lit to celebrate the third harvest and the end of the year, welcoming the beginning of hopefully a happy new year. Autumn is a time when the thought of death is blatant and in your face. Winter is coming and whether you survive it or not depends a lot on the success of your harvest. During this time of transition, the veil between worlds is very thin. A time when spirits of the dead, ancestors, loved ones, friends, foes, can easily walk between worlds. This includes beings from other realms, like fairies and sprites and goblins and all sorts of supernatural things. And at this time, humans can dance through that veil as well. So all these beings from all these different realms hanging out together, but one thing you don't want is for any of those from that realm to get stuck here. And you most certainly don't want to get stuck over there. Most cultures around the world set aside a day to celebrate or honor the dead. And interestingly, a lot of them happen around this time of the year. And that makes sense, especially for agricultural cultures whose lives actually depended on their understanding of the seasons. In the spring, there's planting, sprouting, blooming. In the summertime, there's growing, ripening, and fruiting. In the fall, harvesting, preserving, and preparing for the winter. Samhain is a fire festival. Fire festivals happen all over the world. Throughout Europe, and especially in the British Isles, there are four fire festivals a year. Beltane, May Eve, or May Day, which is at the beginning of May. Lunasa, Lamas, the Feast of St. Ligori, the beginning of August. Then in late fall, after the autumnal equinox, is Samhain. Now we don't know a lot about the specifics in regards to how they actually celebrated Samhain. But what we do know is that they lit a lot of bonfires for a lot of different reasons. To welcome spirits, to ward off spirits, sacrifices, blessings, offerings, clearings, getting rid of stuff you don't need anymore. If you think you're digging this already, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe. You can comment later and hit that bell. So when I do more of these, you'll get notified right away. Okay, have a sip. Slounge you. You don't even want to know how that's spelled. So how did we get from Samhain to Halloween? In a word, Christianity. Yeah, let me explain. A little extra history to set the scene. In 55 BC, the Romans invade the British Isles, but they don't stay. About 100 years later, in 43 AD, the Romans come back again. This time they invade and conquer, bringing with them their new religion, which they spread and enforce with a vengeance. They also bring along a lot of their old ancient religions, traditions, ceremonies, and rituals that were very similar to the Celts. The Roman Empire rules Britain for 367 years. The Roman Empire rules Britain for 367 years. Despite all efforts to assimilate everybody into the fold, including coercion, death, and torture, which was the worst, the church could never completely stamp out ancient seasonal traditions. So, in order to convert more people, they did what they always did. Take one of these old ancient seasonal traditions and stick a church holiday on top of it. Lemuria, an ancient Roman festival, is held May 9th, 11th, and 13th. And it's full of all kinds of rites and rituals to get rid of the lemurs. Not these guys, these guys. One of the traditions is to place food outside of the home for the lemurs. So, even though you don't want them in, you want to be nice to them. Sound familiar? In 600 AD, the church turns May 13 into All Saints' Day in honor of their most revered dead Christians, right on top of Lemuria. Over 200 years later, All Saints' Day moved to November 1 and the name is changed to All Hallows Day, right on top of Samhain. And since Samhain is now the day before All Saints Day, the church now calls October 31 All Hallows Even, which is shortened to All Hallows Eve and eventually morphs into Halloween. Eventually, a more inclusive third day is added to the mix, November 2nd. All Souls' Day, where they pray for not only their main saints, but for all souls of all Christians who have died, sending up special prayers for those in purgatory. On All Souls' Day, kids and beggars go around door-to-door souling. This is where they come to the house, and for soul cakes, they will pray for your dead. Yeah, here's a side note. How is All Saints' Day on top of Samhain? When All Saints Day is on November 1st and Samhain is on October 31st. The ancient Celts didn't measure time by days. They measured it by the night. So October 31st, Samhain would actually begin at sundown. So when the sun came up, okay, you see what they did there? Yeah. So yeah, it's on top. Okay, let's have another sip and jump into some of these iconic symbols of Halloween. Uh, Or would that be symbolic icons? Either way, we're going to have a look. Starting with bats. Bats. How do these cuddly flying furballs figure into all this? Well, historians speculate that because of all the aforementioned bonfires, especially at night, More bonfires, more light, more light, more insects, more insects, more bats. More bats, more bat sightings around this time. It makes sense. In autumn, bats, looking for a place to hibernate, can sometimes get disoriented, especially with the crazy changes in the fall weather, and could end up in your house. This, to say the least, by most folks, is frowned upon. Bats are mysterious creatures of the night who've been getting a bad rap for a very long time, just for being weird. Living in caves, sleeping upside down during the day, some drinking blood. Reminds me of somebody I used to... And another thing. This in-between sort of bird, sort of mammal thing they got going on, this combo-plated terror, fits in pretty well with the theme of Halloween in terms of that, you know, between worlds thing. And Ariel rides one. Not this one. This one. Witches. 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 In regards to traditional healers who are not being persecuted enough during these medieval times, women, especially independent women, daughters of Eve, and her apple of death, solely responsible for the downfall of humanity. It's only fitting for the church to not only vilify these women, but also to create this vile, ugly, grotesque, and frightening look that we associate with the Halloween witch. Heaven forbid a witch is falling. Haters hate everything about these women. Even everyday household items that are in every house at the time. In her house are instruments of death, devices of evil, broom, hearth, lantern, cauldron, spindle, candles, jars, knives, cups, shoes, hats, cats. Well, cats. I love them, but you know how they are. This is not to suggest that there were no evil practitioners of dark magic at this time, because there definitely were. In every profession, in every walk of life, there's always gonna be awful people doing awful things. But that's a whole other video. This is the Halloween which we're talking about here. Black cats. Okay, let's face it. Black cats are pretty badass. But black cats are not always bad. In some cultures, black cats are good luck, bringing blessings and fortunes. In other cultures, black cats are bad luck, bringing curses and misfortunes. In Egypt, black cats were not only sacred, they were actually worshipped. In the New World, Puritans were having none of this. Black cats were evil familiars of witches and in league with the Prince of Darkness. Not this one, this one. In the New World, the Puritans were having none of this. Black cats were evil familiars of witches in league with the Prince of Darkness. Not this one, this one. In fact, at this time of intolerance and puritanical insanity, it's a common practice on Shrove Tuesday for pilgrims to burn cats on bonfires. Ironically, to protect their homes from fire in the coming year. Even though the black cat of today's Halloween is reduced to pretty much decoration, cats are still mysterious and bring a little scary element to the mix. Ghosts. Why is one of the simplest costumes ever still one of the creepiest things you can wear to freak people out? Could be because that classic ghost sheet represents the winding cloth or shroud that people were wrapped in when they were buried. Oh, here's a fun fact. During the COVID lockdowns, a village in Indonesia got volunteers to dress up as ghosts to keep people social distancing and staying off the streets at night, and it worked. The thought of the dead, shrouded or not, wandering back and forth through the delicate veil between realms can be calming and comforting, or just frightening and scary, especially after wars and great disasters that always bring an abundance of new tales and legends about dead relatives coming back for a visit. Skeletons. You may not know what your ghost body looks like, but you definitely know what your physical body looks like if it's allowed to just decay naturally. This relatable visual can be pretty unnerving to some people and fits right in with the whole Halloween template. It has the between world thing going on due to the fact that the skeleton is the last recognizable physical evidence of your existence just before turning to dust or mulch, which is what I'm gonna do. In many cultures, the skeleton is embraced as a reminder that everybody dies, a fact that is something to be respected and honored rather than feared. Nobody gets out of here alive, so you might as well celebrate the Boogeyman. Folks from various British Isles moving to the New World brought a lot of folklore with them, including bogeys who sound a lot like the Roman Lemurs. Dark, poltergeist-like spirits up to no good and harming children, especially naughty ones. The Boogeyman Most of the monsters that followed the classic bogeys didn't really show up till recently. Since the first humans told the first scary stories around a campfire, ghost stories, horror stories, and monsters were a year-round thing until the 1800s when authors, poets, artists, and folks wanting to sell stuff jumped on the Halloween bandwagon. My top three boogeymen of today are Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, and of course, Michael Myers. Who were your top three? Let me know in the comments. As I mentioned before, the Romans brought a lot of stuff with them and a lot of traditions with them in addition to Christianity when they took over the British Isles. One of those traditions was Parentalia, which is very similar to Dia de Muertos, the Day of the Dead. For Parentalia, people would honor their dead by leaving food out, their favorite foods. They would leave chairs out for them. Very, very close to the Day of the Dead. Also, Pomona shows up quite a bit over the centuries, around the time of Samhain. Pomona is a goddess of fruitful abundance, in an ancient Roman religion. Her name comes from the Latin word "pomum," fruit, especially orchard fruit. When colonizers made their way to the Americas in the 1700s, a lot of their traditions surrounding death and rebirth came with them, even more so in the 1800s when the Irish and the Scottish migrated to the New World by the thousands. The Puritans tried to keep it all at bay, but no dice. These celebrations, focusing on death, the cycle of life, and the supernatural, could not be stopped or contained masks and guising. In the early morphing of the modern Halloween in the Americas, masks were often worn to hide the identity of folks getting drunk, rowdy, and destructive without reason or provocation. Any excuse to be an asshole for the sake of assholiness. This unmitigated cray-cray bit of Halloween could be, in part, spawned by the rowdy, mask-wearing Night of Fire and Destruction that is still celebrated today on November 5, just a few days after Halloween, Guy Fawkes Day, or Bonfire Night, because Gunpowder Treason Day doesn't roll trippingly off the tongue. This is an annual mocking of the horrific execution death the Catholic Guy Fawkes, after he attempts but fails to blow up London's Protestant House of Lords with 36 kegs of gunpowder. Another ancient tradition of disguise that happens around this time is based on the idea that because of the onslaught of entities flooding the planet during this thin veil period, you need masks and disguises to hide from or actually mingle with these spirits without being detected. In other cultures, folks dress up like historical figures. In other cultures, folks dress up like historical figures. In some Celtic celebrations of Samhain, villagers disguise themselves in animal skins to actually scare away supernatural beings. And again, we have banquet tables prepared and food left out to placate the unwelcome visitors. In days of old, masks, costumes, and disguises had traditional ceremonial and/or even spiritual significance. In modern halloween not so much but still a lot of fun the jack-o-lantern out of all the icons of halloween today the jack-o-lantern is definitely the most iconic now there are a lot of versions of this legend this is just one stingy jack is a vile miscreant a lowlife a liar mean cheat a horrible drunkard a prankster and, as aforementioned, stingy. When the devil, impressed by Jack's unbridled awfulness, shows up to bring him to hell, Jack gets the devil to join him in a few drinks before they bounce. Then, because he's stingy, he asks the devil to turn into a coin to pay for their drinks. And the devil, obviously drunk, does it. Jack puts the devil, now a coin, in his pocket that just happens to have a cross in it, which traps the devil. Now the devil is only released when he agrees to let Jack stay on earth for another year. A year later, the devil shows up again to take Jack with him. This time, Jack says, before we go, I'm a little hungry, could you climb this apple tree and grab me an apple? And the devil, apparently not the sharpest knife in a drawer, does it. Jack quickly carves a cross into the tree trunk and traps the devil in the tree. This time, Jack's deal is for 10 more years. The devil agrees. This is kind of an ongoing theme. You get the picture. Eventually, Jack dies and ascends to heaven, but he's rejected. Go figure. Eventually, Jack dies and ascends to heaven. And, of course, is rejected. Eventually, Jack dies and ascends to heaven. Who are we kidding? He's flatly rejected. Go figure. So, he goes to find his old friend, the devil, to see if he can get into hell. The devil meets him at the gate and says, Oh, hail, no, player." I can't let you in my house, but I'll give you this glowing lump of coal to light your way between worlds. Jack hollows out a turnip, punches a few holes, drops the glowing coal in it. Bam. A lantern. There you go. Jack with a lantern. Jack of the lantern. Jack-o-lantern. One of the first Halloween uses of the pumpkin in the US was putting a jack-o-lantern on a stick with clothing or a sheet and putting it up to people's windows. Some folks just stuck a pumpkin on their head. The original turnip lantern that was brought over by the Irish and the Scots changes to a pumpkin because, A, they're in abundance, and also, A, they're a hell of a lot easier to carve. They both look pretty creepy, but when it comes down to actually looking scary, the turnip wins. The the turnip wins by a lot. Trick-or-treating. The phrase trick-or-treat didn't actually come about till the 1930s. Trick-or-treating is definitely reminiscent of souling. In the Middle Ages, there's also mumming, where people called mummers go house to house performing plays, poetry, music, or all of the above in exchange for, you guessed it, food and sometimes cash. Although today's trick-or-treating may have been influenced in some way by these ancient traditions, Trick-or-treaters in the U.S. and Canada are not performing or offering any kind of service. On the contrary, when trick-or-treating starts in the U.S., it's a straight-up shakedown. Sure, this could be just concerned homeowners bribing kids to not jack up their property, but in the spirit of keeping it real, trick-or-treating is little masked mobsters making demands and threatening unpleasant repercussions. Their demands aren't met. Extortion. These days, a lot of trick-or-treaters can't even be bothered with tricking. They get all the treats they want with little no effort on their part. They're driven everywhere and attend very tame, organized gatherings at places like schools, public rec centers, churches. A lot of them don't even bother to wear a costume. There's so much more we could unpack, but you get the idea. This folkloric autumnal holiday is a complicated gemished hodgepodge of pagan rituals, secular traditions, and religious holidays from all over the Western world. Halloween in today's world is a fantastic opportunity to step out of yourself, at least for one night, and have fun with the primal fears that human beings have experienced for thousands of years. Happy Halloween. If you've enjoyed this little journey through some of the origins of Halloween, then definitely leave a comment, hit like, hit the bell, share it. Let me know what you think. Happy Halloween.